Hi, I'm Melanie Walker and this is Grounded. If gardening is your passion, this is the place to be to find out about what's happening in the gardening world. And it's all about the garden and the environment. Yes, I'm Melanie Walker. And today we're going to be talking about how other people get involved in various projects, not specifically about gardening, because I know we all love our gardens and we love doing things in our gardens, which is ultimately beneficial for the environment. But there's so much more that we can be doing. And there's, I mean, I think the last month or so, there's been so much pushed on the use of single-use plastics, about how our environment is really getting absolutely hammered by a human being's wastage. And I think no more did that become apparent for me after the recent floods down in Durban. And we have a look and see what happened in the harbour. With It was just wall-to-wall plastic. And, and then, of course, you know, there's, some, there's all these people on the beach trying to clean up the plastic. And then they go and have a strike where everybody goes and throws the rubbish in the ground the people that were striking. So, you know, you sit there and you look at humans and just think, uh, are we the blot on the landscape? And, you know, because we are actually, I think I've said it before, we are viruses. We should be doing something to make sure that we ensure that all living creatures are able to exist on this planet. It's not just about us. We need to take care of all the little bits and pieces as well. Now, one lady who got very involved in dealing with the larger animals and the plight of larger animals, especially the primates, would have been Jane Goodall. And she worked primarily with chimpanzees. I have a friend who is a primate curator at the zoo. So I'm very clued in with what's going on with gorillas, chimpanzees, and especially with the orangutans and palm oil forests being burnt down on a yearly basis. And have, if you ever go to Southeast Asia during the end of September, trust me, you can't see for the smoke which comes across the entire Southeast Asia from one country where they're burning down in Indonesia and Borneo and then destroying the habitat of the orangutans that are living this, which is why there's been this backlash against palm oil as well. So there's all of these things. I think people are becoming a little bit more eco-aware, but it's also trying to get the message out to people. And that's where Jane Goodall came into this. She decided to start getting her message out to everybody and started up a, a conservation group, I would say, basically called Roots and Shoots. And from the South African chapter in here with us today, we have Rita Grunewald to come and chat us about what they've been getting up to. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks, Melanie. Okay, so t- just tell me a bit more about Roots and Shoots. I mean, I, I know obviously from when Jane Goodall came out here and people talking about conservation of animals, people are very aware of animals, but they don't think about the smaller stuff, do they? Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, Roots and Shoots is very holistic. It's a youth action program where we get people active and we try and, you know, get everyone to be, have more respect and be more kind, I guess, to animals, people and the environment and all of it together in a holistic situation. What was Jane's whole ethos behind starting the whole situation? So she actually started it in Tanzania and was formed by Jane and 12 high school students that were feeling quite hopeless about the deforestation and how that was affecting the chimpanzees in Tanzania. And the high school students sort of said to her, they're, they're just children. What, what can they do about this problem? And she mm. said, you're not just children. You are children and you are very powerful and you can make a huge impact. And so it's sort of grown and grown through throughout the world. And it's now in more than 100 countries. There's more than 120,000 youngsters around the world in Roots and Shoots doing small, achievable actions in their communities. And so the collective change is massive. 
But it's exactly what you said. I mean, children say, well, what can I do? I mean, think about the, where was it with that young girl who addressed the United Nations or one of those places and has done so much with striking from yes. school in Europe. And I mean, the children don't realize how much power they have. They are the future. And the more we can get them activated and activized, I think is a good word for it, the better. And this, I mean, why not actually have more things like roots and shoots? Absolutely. And I think it's also, you know, as I said, small achievable actions. And it's not just youngsters, all of us in our daily lives. And mm. um, when we're talking about the single use plastics, you know, there's so many choices that we make as consumers and we are, we have power. We should actually be using our power every time we're shopping, every time we're out they're doing something, we can make small changes that will have a huge impact collectively. I've heard now as well that soon they're going to be doing a total ban on plastic bags, uh, hopefully not the recyclable ones, the ones that actually do break down. I know that they've been bringing those in as well. But I think that if you drive around South Africa now, there are fewer of our national trees, as they used to call them, the ones that were covered in, in plastic bags, since they actually started bringing in, we had to buy your plastic bags. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when we do river cleanups, for example, and especially after lots of rain, you were mentioning the, you know, the floods down in mm. Durban. And every time we do cleanups, especially if you look at Yuxke and Henops rivers, particularly where we're cleaning up, it's not just shopping bags. It's a myriad of other single use plastics. And I think the shopping bags have, you know, got the most attention, but it's all the other things. I mean, if you go and buy fruit, for example, it's completely over, you know, packaged and the polystyrene, of course, is a huge problem that people don't think about as well. So those are all things that we could actually start going to local farmers markets or even at our local shopping you know, centers when we're buying fruit and veg. We should be encouraging those people to not package it like that mm. and try and avoid that as much as possible. I've noticed and I'm kind of pushing and I make my own eco bricks and people are like, how do you make an eco brick? What is an eco brick? And I mean, I'm sitting here and thinking, well, the amount of plastic bottles that are going out and then you can't like really believe how much you actually have in your house. And how much goes into the environment where you take all of the stuff to make an eco brick? So explain the eco brick thing. Where did that start? So um, I'm, I'm stand under correction, but it did actually start as far as I know in Indonesia by ecobrick.org. And it was a solution that they were, you know, having in their communities, they had a lot of plastic and it was a solution that they came up with. And it's a sort of an upcycling concept where you're taking a plastic bottle, it can be a soda bottle, it can be a juice bottle or oil bottle, whatever you have, and you compress single use plastics and polystyrene and um, styrofoam that cannot be recycled. And you basically compress it so much into a bottle that you'd be able to build with that eco brick. We use it a lot to make stools and chairs mm. in our groups and also raised bed gardens. We haven't started building buildings with it, but there have been schools and libraries, community centers around the world that have been built with eco bricks. If they're of good integrity and they're solid, you can build, you know, big structures with it. Yeah, I, was, I was sometimes wonder, oh, would I want to actually live in a house that's made of plastic bottles? But it was something that we put forward years ago in using the bottles filled up with sand and then in a gabion wall yeah and then plaster over that but it was it was for mining technologies and it was actually miners that i know that you know were thinking about these kind of ways of of using something which has no other use essentially and the whole idea now of actually taking these things because i mean i think plastic bottles are just never going to go away even though if it's good it's in glass is should still be the watchword. And there are some companies who are saying, actually, we're going to bring milk back in bottles again. And I just, I miss those days. You know, and you put your little 
coupon out in the morning and Nell's Dairy would come past and drop off your milk and your orange juice. Wouldn't it be nice to go back to that? But unfortunately, we're not going to be able to. So how many places are you at the moment sort of running these eco brick? What, what would we call them? Well, like just the eco brick campaigns, campaigns that we're running yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're running it. We try in all of our communities where we're working across the country to get people to create their own eco bricks mm-hmm. and at the very least encourage everyone to do it at home as well. Um, our biggest, um, eco brick community, I would say is definitely in Dipslut at the moment. Um, and of course the waste management in you know, impoverished communities is actually shocking. People are always, you know, it's the first thing you notice when you go into a community like that. There's very few times that, you know, if it's once a week or something that people or that the waste service are, are being um, removed. Mm. So obviously it's a huge problem with there's not enough places to leave your black bags or green bags, whatever you have. And there's just single use plastic down every street that you can imagine. And we're seeing that we are able to eco brick a lot. We had a fantastic eco bry which was just an amazing day. We had various community members coming together, teaching people about how to create eco bricks. We had a lovely lady that was educating all the participants about how to crochet with plastic, with single-use plastics as well, so mm. create mats and different things. And at that eco bry alone, we were able to upcycle 20 kilograms of single-use plastic which is a great deal if you think about how little that weighs. Well, exactly, because I mean, I was sitting and thinking, well, okay, it's going to be quite easy to fill these these bottles up, but it's a lot of stuff that actually goes in when you're compacting it. And I know that there's been people saying, oh, well, you know, they keep on bringing us what they call their eco-brick, but you've got to be able to stand on this thing. It's got to be like as if it's actually full to the brim with water. Absolutely. Otherwise, you know, it's it's actually quite a lot of hard work. There's various organizations just in Johannesburg that are using EcoBricks and it's really hard work. We have to have volunteers that actually come and compress it again. Mm. Um, and it's actually really hard work compressing someone else's EcoBrick if it wasn't done correctly the first time. But it's, it's a practice, you know, it makes perfect sort of situation. So, and it is good if you start with a smaller bottle, if you're not too sure if you can make a whole, you know, one liter or two liter bottle, start with a smaller bottle and, you know, just use your wooden spoon if you don't have a dial stick or something like yeah. that. And um, my wooden spoons are getting great workouts, I must yeah. tell you. And it's actually, it's actually quite a good workout for your, your arms as well. No, um, I'm, I'm quite exhausted. I get, I get a whole bag together and think, oh, well, this will be easy. I just haven't like an entire huge bag makes up maybe a half of a two liter bottle. And he's sitting there compressing, compressing, compressing. It's completely crazy. But anyway, so roots and shoots. Uh, what other projects do you have on the go at the moment? Um, we're actually just having such a wonderful year and our, our youngsters are doing amazing projects. So from youngsters in Orange Farm at a quite an impoverished little school, going out to a children's home and volunteering their spring cleaning, spending time with the little ones there, mm-hmm. um, was a very, very amazing little project that they did. Um, we've got that going on. We've got a number of cleanups, as I said, all along the Henops River that we're doing collaborative work with various other MPOs there. Yeah, because I saw somebody saying, oh, if you're going out to Henops River, yeah. don't take one particular walk because it really doesn't smell good. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, the plastic pollution, um, the styrofoam, that's just sort of a, a drop in the bucket. The amount of foam that's building up there is an indicator of a large amount of sewage waste that's been dumped in there. So it's quite a huge problem. And it's something that we're working on collectively as a number of different MPOs as well. Mm. Okay, so there must be some way of actually keeping our watercourses a lot cleaner. And I mean, I often wander down the Sprite, Bromfontein Sprite, and see the amount of plastic that comes on, especially after heavy rains. And sitting so thinking, there must be some catchment 
of being able to catch the the plastic and all the nonsense that's in the water, not necessarily purifying it, but at least getting rid of major, major debris. There's definitely a lot of projects at the sort of MPO that's brought everyone together and has done really, really amazing work. They call themselves Fresh. Mm. And Fresh has done some really good research into the sort of catchments that you're speaking about now, sort of nets that you'd be able to put up at various points mm. and actually have that sort of filter the, the plastics and, and whatever else is washing down. Um, cause it's not just plastics, you know, people, I don't know, we find the oddest things there'll be toys carpet. shoes bags you name it it's it's amazing and i think that's the important thing for everyday people to understand when you throw something away it doesn't go away it's still going to a landfill or going somewhere where it's going to end up inevitably in, in our you know water in our ground sources and you know, we have to be very careful about what we're buying and what we're throwing away, of course. Are you finding that you're having quite a impact on the way that the younger generation thinks about, you know, we, we've been pretty much a wastage community, regardless of how much money you have. It's just like, oh, I'm just going to throw this on the ground. And I mean, I just remember from when I was six, seven years old, it was like one of those things, zap it in a ZB, zap it in a ZB. But now the ZBs are completely full. And what are they going to do with them anyway? Yeah, I think, you know, for us, what we try and do, if we're not working with young adults that are school leavers already, if we're working with youngsters that are still in primary school or high school, we try and give them as much information as possible that, that they are able to take home as well. Mm. And we do find that, you know, the whole family will buy into recycling, for example. And we've got a number of different ways that we encourage recycling to, um, we've got fair exchange stores where youngsters can bring in their recycling earn points that they're able to spend again at the end of the month on various items, including vegetables that are grown by some of our groups as well. So we, we try and encourage recycling as much as possible to get that as an everyday process for these little ones. Now, if you're like me, you have kids who have grown up being very aware of environment, of not throwing things on the ground, of not throwing things away. They're now 16 years old. And trust me, they still come to me and they will take off the pool tabs of cans because we were collecting those for guide dogs because you could raise money to train guide dogs. They still come to me with bottle tops because they were using those and the the ties on bread bags so that people could get a wheelchair. So these were all initially events and campaigns that were set up at various schools and getting kids aware of what they were doing. I was very, very glad to be involved at my kids' primary school with setting up a really, really great paper recycling thing through Impact with their Ronnie bags and everything like that. And I think the school went on and is still one of the top in the country for recycling paper. So kids are the way forward. Okay. My children will still come now that they know I'm making eco bricks. I get sweet papers put into every single pocket I have available into my handbag. I mean, cleaning out my handbag, people must think I'm a bag lady, I swear, because the amount of stuff I walk around, I see litter lying on the ground. I pick it up and think, Oh, that's going into my eco brick. I think I should just walk around with a bottle and shove everything in there to begin with. But I mean, this is where it is. And I mean, how many kids would you say that you're working with through Roots and Shoots these days? How many um, are you getting to? So across 
across the whole of South Africa at the moment, we've got just under uh, 2,000 children that are busy with projects, either just projects that they're doing on their own um, for community service hours or our groups that we meet up with on a weekly basis. So when kids have to do community service, they can come and work with you from whichever schools they're with? Absolutely. I mean, the EcoBricks is also a really easy way. A lot of homeschoolers, for example, that don't have the opportunity to meet up with other little ones, that's a great way to, to get involved and feel like you're part of a bigger picture, even if you can't meet up with others as well. Okay, so apart from the EcoBricks, what are the other projects that you, you kind of get kids involved in? We've still got the Seeds of Hope project. That's a continuation, a bit of a play on word of one of Dr. Jane's well-known books as well. So Seeds of Hope, we encourage people to collect seeds from vegetables and fruits that are hopefully organic that they Mm. can source and are able to grow that at home into seedlings and can sponsor that to our groups. Or we're just happy to get the seeds as well. Mm. So basically, you know, that's a great way to get involved. Growing the seedlings is, of course, fun for little ones. And we encourage people to use something that they can upcycle or egg cartons or something like that to grow the seedlings in and then they can pass it on to our groups. Yeah, toilet roll in has always been a good one. You can grow oh. and put the soil in there and fold it out a little bit at the bottom and you can grow seedlings in and then just plant the entire thing. I suppose that's also another way of getting rid of, of your waste of, and getting kids, they, they love doing those little projects, okay? And I mean, it's at school, they should make it a subject at primary school that kids have to learn how to grow. Yeah, I think it's such a such a rewarding thing as well. If I see, you know, the groups that we have that are growing their own vegetables, I think a lot of us are fortunate in that we have space to grow our mm. own vegetables and there's nothing more, you know, rewarding than pulling your own vegetables out of the, the garden and going and cooking it that evening. I mean, I think it's something that everybody should have is that sense of patience and also just understanding how, how it works and being able to appreciate vegetables and appreciate our farmers more as well. But it also used to be a big thing in, in communities of seed swapping, which seems to have also, it's, just, it's kind of gone by the wayside. And I, I don't know if it's just a particular generation. I think the Gogos yeah. are still doing it. But it's that kind of middle-aged generation which seems to have lost their way somewhat. I agree. And I think it's something, you know, with our fair exchange shops, we accept, you know, seeds or seedlings and we'll sell back um, vegetables if people don't have spaces to grow it. So we'd love to see more of that sort of barter system happening again. And it's very important for people to understand that even in tiny, tiny spaces, you can grow your own healthy food and veg as well. So we do a lot of education on that um, vertical gardens and raised bed gardens that you could do in Mm. small spaces. Okay, so you're talking about kids. I mean, how how interested are they actually in continuing with gardening? I mean, I've heard some very sad stories, especially out in the more impoverished areas, that they would rather have a McDonald's, for instance, than to actually go and go and get some maroch from granny and take it home. They're embarrassed to be seen with the spinach, which has been grown by the grandmother, rather they want something which is more status. Personally, I've been banning and um, boycotting a lot of these places that the food I don't think is that good, but the packaging has always been a big bonus for for me in the fact that I'm not going to eat there because they have way too much packaging. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that comes back to, you know, as consumers, again, we have to make those decisions. But we're very blessed. Our, our children that we have are extremely dedicated. Of course, they can decide within the group if they'd like to work in the in the vegetable garden or if they'd like to do something else when we meet up. But the majority of the children are always in the garden working very, very hard. And as I say, for them, I think it's the rewarding part of being able to either assist other children in their group with the vegetables or themselves be able to take those homegrown vegetables back. 
do they get their parents involved as well? Do they say, come mom, you've got to come and learn how to do this stuff. You need to come along and uh, get involved as well. We do have a number of days where parents can come out and spend time with their learners, the little ones as well. But uh, I think, you know, we're at the point in society where, you know, either it's a single mom or mom and dad, they're all working and it is quite, it's quite difficult to have time with family these days, actually. Mm. But we do have a number of days where we have open days with families and it is very well received. So we'll definitely continue doing that because I think that's also very important is for everyone to be outdoors together and enjoy fresh air as a family. So now how, how does Africa compare with the rest of the world when it comes to being aware of the environment about actually doing something that will help and put back into the environment uh, compared to say somewhere like Europe? I think we're, you know, still catching up. And I think, unfortunately, especially, you know, education and, and you know, access to information is the biggest problem. Mm. So for, and I also say that in South Africa, specifically, though, compared to other countries such as Rwanda and Kenya that have banned plastic bags a long time before we have. But I think access to information is a huge problem. And, you know, people aren't aware of what happens to plastic or where it goes, for example. You know, you think you're throwing it away, it goes to a landfill site, but it ends up in our water and our, our ground sources. So I think that's the biggest challenge for us. And it's very important as Roots and Shoots to make all of our members and family members of theirs aware of the situation in the environment. So what kind of good news is there for South Africa? Because this is the good news from Roots and Shoots. I mean, I'm sitting here and thinking, how are we going to actually overcome this whole plastic craziness I think it's it's really important. You know, we see a lot of petitions. We see a lot of, you know, things going around on social media. And sometimes we can all be armchair cons- conservationists and just sort of share a post. Mm. But I think it's important for everyone to actually get up and do something. And as I said earlier, make a difference every time you're shopping and every time you're making a decision in the shop. It does have a huge impact. So small actions that everyone can do together mm. is very important. And um, definitely getting involved in eco-bricking, you know, we've, we've got a lot of good news out there. There's a lot of youngsters that have made amazing amounts of eco-bricks. And, you know, just one one school alone was able to donate just from this term, 80 eco-bricks. Um, mm. Can't wait to weigh it and, and give stats on that. But, you know, large amounts of, of eco-bricks like that, we're talking, you know, easily sort of 30, 40 kilograms that we were able to take out of the landfill sites. And that's, that's huge. It's massive considering again, how, how little single use plastic weighs. Well, for me, it's become like a, a thing of pride that, that I don't want to throw away anything. Um, I'm like, Oh, do I really have to put that into the bin? Or is there some other way that I can use it? It's become this complete obsession. And I think you do become vaguely obsessed with it to make sure that you're not putting anything out. So if I've got one shopping bags full of stuff that can't be recycled, I'm really upset. I don't want to put that out in there. I want like to have almost zero in the way of having an effect on the environment from that point of view. Everything needs to be upcycled, recycled, put into your bokashi, a whole bunch of different stuff. Are you finding more and more people thinking like that as well? Absolutely. I think, you know, once you've started eco-bricking and once you've started seeing what goes into an eco-brick, I think it genuinely affects what you purchase, as I said earlier. Mm. And definitely when, you know, when you're out at someone's house and they're not eco-bricking, it becomes a sort of topical point on your lips all the time. 
And um, I, I do also, unfortunately, take things from friends' houses and I'm, just, I'm sure people think I'm <laughs> quite an oddball. The, the, mad, the mad bag ladies. Yeah. <laughs> I love it though. I mean, I just think, the, why, I mean, the people, then they might get embarrassed. You say, well, I'm taking this home because obviously you're just going to throw it into the bin and I'm going to be, I mean, they probably think we're complete lunatics, but that's okay. It's, it's nice to be a lunatic. Well, that's what uh, Ian Dury used to say in any case. And I've always thought that he was one of the best musicians in the world. So now if people want to get involved with you in some of the projects, how do they do so? I mean, it's so easy to start a group. You literally just need a couple of friends or classmates together to start a group. And they can reach out to myself and we can put them in touch with community coordinators that we have across the country. Mm. And basically we'll help them to develop their own projects that they're passionate about and grow that into something really meaningful in their community. Okay, so there's those uh, contact details. Yeah, we can go onto Facebook. It's just Roots and Shoots SA. Our website is www.rootsandshoots.org.za. And they can also just email me on rita at rootsandshoots.org.za. Okay, and if they, if they want to go out and see the chimps? Our chimpanzee sanctuary is up uh, just outside of Nelspreet mm. on the Barberton Road. We've got a beautiful sanctuary there with 33 rescued chimpanzees from various countries all around the world. And that is also a great family day out and a great way to learn more about the Jane Goodall Institute and great apes. Well, this is it. Children are our future. So if you have some kids or grandkids that you think, well, they're sitting inside too much doing those horrible games where they shoot things, rather get them onto these kind of shoots. Thank you so much for coming in and chatting to us and letting us know what's happening with Roots and Shoes, Rita. And uh, yeah, people, please get involved. Get your kids involved. Do something for the environment. I'll be back again next time with more fabulous stuff from the environmental and greening world. Get out in your gardens, have some fun, and above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. For show notes and more information about this episode, go to solidgoldstudios.co.za forward slash grounded.